Welcome to the Storyteller Series Nigeria, a podcast dedicated to true stories of Nigerians from all ages and backgrounds. I'm Funola Oshinopebi and this is episode 3, which I'm calling When Wishes Are Horses. You'll find out why soon. We're doing things a little differently this time. Stories in this episode are not from our live show, but they are true stories. The first story is about a recent trip I made to Petsina in northwestern Nigeria. And the second story is about my maternal grandmother, Oyeadeadeyeye. Hope you like them. If you don't, we'll be back to stories from our last live show in the next episode. Our next live show is on June 30, 2018 in Abuja. And you can visit our website at thestorytellerng.org slash events to find out more. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as at ABJ Storyteller. That's all one word. Let's get to the show. An old billy goat stood stubbornly on the road, facing us down as we made our way from Kano to Katsina. Animals that have long since lost their confidence in more urban areas are still bold here. I spied goats, oxen, camels, and horses. Horses. Katsina is horse country. Horses are bred and sold here, and it suits the landscape. The land stretches for miles and miles with the occasional baobab tree and camel. It looks like an African version of the Wild West, with men on horses eking out their journeys across their farmland. As the sun set over the savannah, setting off the red gold of the earth, I was glad to be there. I marveled at the commonalities across our various regions. As I stared at the neatly labelled sign announcing we were passing by Sabonrua village, the largest similarity across all the places I have seen caught my eye. The thing we most have in common, my fellow Nigerians, is trash. Lots and lots of it. Everywhere. We seem inured to it as we go about our lives. The most beautiful scenery is ruined by piles of discarded plastic bags. As we passed by a stretch of garbage southern land, I spotted a gorgeous brown stallion, the rays of the sun reflecting off the burnished hair on its back. This was not your average hungry beach horse. This one was well-loved and cared for. I'm told I have horses in my blood. If you ever wondered who bought those endless horse books and movies about a girl who rescues a horse from captivity, that was me. My brother denies this now, but as a child, he had an imaginary friend called Eshin, meaning horse in Yoruba. The Ijebu have horse-riding families who perform for the king every year and we belong to one of them. My father, who is perhaps at most five feet five inches on his tippy toes, said to me once that royalty love horses because they make them look taller and more impressive than they actually are. My father, who of course considers himself royalty, freely maintains that royals were short due to inbreeding, which prioritized intelligence over physical strength. Fighting, after all, was what generals were for. In any case, this must mean I must be doubly royal as I am barely five feet. We were horse people who couldn't afford horses until my father finished paying school fees and took on his midlife as a polo-playing old man. This was when I finally got my wish and was placed astride a grand horse who thought he was smarter than me and was probably right. 
The horse craned his head back to take a good look at me and decided I wasn't worth it. He refused to move and began eating grass as I sat there swaying back and forth in a vain attempt to get him moving. I have since gained some respect from this horse, although he still moves only when the mood strikes and heads for home when he decides it's time. The goat stamped his hoof and slowly moved off the road, deciding we had passed some test. We arrived at Katsina Town just as the darkness crept over the horizon. As we entered the town by car, a man on a white horse indicated his intention to merge left into traffic with his arm. The driver paused to let him pass as we all slowly walked or drove round the roundabout. I waved as we moved past. I was thrilled to witness this exchange, a town in which horses and cars were equals, looked like home to me. I thought you might like to know that the music in that story was from the Ruwenzori Mountain Troupe, traditional musicians from southern Uganda's Ruwenzori Mountains. The next story is about my grandmother, Oyinade Balaye or Oyinade Adeyeye as she was known before she got married. And the music in that story is from Yusufa Sidibe. This story is my mother's story about her mother and her mother before her. My mother once told me of the 13th wife of a wealthy farmer in Elisha, a town in what is now Oshun State in southwestern Nigeria about 80 years ago. This pampered wife, my great-grandmother, bore her husband first a daughter who was my mother's mother an only child for several years before she was joined by her two brothers. This farmer was considered very rich indeed as he owned a Pontiac at a time when few had even seen cars. She then told me of the wealthy farmer's death and how the pampered 13th wife had no adult children to wrest some wealth for her from the older children, just a young daughter and two small boys. In a tug of war for inheritance between grown men and little boys, you can guess who won. And so my great-grandmother went from being chauffeured in a car to having nothing to feed her children. She became a farmer and a single mother at a time when there was no such term. Her daughter, my grandmother, was not interested in farming and was determined to go to school. She would trek for miles to sell firewood to pay for school and help support her family. And she did go to school even if she was much older than her classmates, even if she was exhausted, even if her pride was dented. And my grandmother became a teacher, who married a teacher, and her daughter, my mother, would also be a teacher after her. And her little brothers became men, and their sister, my grandmother, raised them like she had raised herself, even when she had her own children to raise. They won scholarships abroad and she supplemented their needs, even when it stretched her to her limit, even when they returned nothing to her in gratitude. When their pride would not permit them to ask for help on their own behalf, she knew that excessive pride added little value. So she took help and she gave help and her family grew large and strong and did well. 
So you may be wondering what happened to the inheritance. Well, the age that had once been an advantage meant that one by one, the much older siblings who withheld their inheritance died, and her brothers, who had been too young to struggle, won without a fight. They say that caterpillars who do not struggle do not live long as butterflies. This seems to have been the case, as the branch of the family which did not need to hustle prospered the least. And so my grandmother lived well and fully, and her children after her, and hopefully their children after them. This is the story of Oyinyade Adiyeye. This is my story, and that of my mother, and her mother, and her mother before her. I just wanted to ask you if you had a funny story about your mom that you wanted to tell. Since we're talking about her, remembering her. Yeah. Okay. So tell it, please. Um, my mom was a big blossom. Not too fat, you know, but blossom. <laughs> and uh, my dad was, you know, a bit old fashioned about this thing. Okay. So, on one occasion, they were going for dinner, and my mom had bought a trousers suit for herself. And she was very happy with herself. And was the trousers suit. But my mom, my dad felt that it was the case. I don't even think that that is that she now wears hair of trousers So I was a little first time. Looking back now, I don't think it was that bad. Mm-hmm. And then she wore the trousers suit. And she was very good for the And my dad too was very good. And then my dad refused to go because she went back to change her clothes. It was very hilarious. For that. Yeah, my first memory about her was um, she was somebody that was really, really sensitive. And I remember that when I was a child, she used to talk to me, buy something, and don't wear anything at all times. Don't use wear something, but she didn't have. And I remember seeing that when my son was going to school in Canada, they gave me 800,000. I was retired at that time.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. This episode was produced by me, Funola Oshimbibi, with editorial input from Deborah Braid, Mohamed Wakil, and my parents. For more information about the series and about our live show, you can visit us on thestorytellerng.org. You can also find us on social media at ABJ Storyteller. Our next episode will feature stories from our last live show. This has been an episode of the Storyteller Series Nigeria. See you in two weeks.